When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, Bears fans. It's finally Friday, and welcome to our game preview edition of the CHGO Bears podcast presented by DraftKings. Go ahead and when you sign up with DraftKings, use that code CHGO. And that, of course, helps you, helps us. And this is a great way. And of course, DraftKings is the leading sports book in the country. What's going on, everybody? Will DeWitt, Nicholas Moriano here. I call this like a Thursday episode, but last week it was Wednesday. This week it's Friday. I guess, Nick, the average, though, is Thursday. It's Thursday, but it's still a preview show, Will. And that's what counts. Regardless of what day it is, you know you're going to get your Bears' best preview for whatever opponent the Bears are going to face. And this happens to be a Monday nighter against the New England Patriots. Nice shirt, by the way. I like that one. It's it's a okay. classic, man. Oh, yeah. There we go. Yep. Love it. Wearing a old-school Chicago Audible shirts here. Uh, the same one, too. So that's pretty funny. We've had a bunch throughout the years. And the fact we both chose the same one to wear in the show, it's great. I'm covering mine up. It's kind of cold down here today, at least in the bottom of my house. All the cold air just sits uh, down here. But regardless, Nick, I'm excited to be back on the show with you and to kind of share our weekly in-depth game preview. Like you said, the best one out there. And this show is just aimed to make you, our listener or watcher, the most informed Bears fan on game day, we're going to discuss the keys to success on both sides of the ball, determine who has the edge, share our weekly X factors, our bold predictions brought to you by Green Ridge Farm and a whole lot more. And if you're here live, you know the drill. Ask a lot of questions because at the end of the episode, we'll do a little you know, Q&A mailbag with those that are here live. Our favorite way to end these shows. And of course, uh, we'll be starring them up so we can cue them so you can ask them now and we'll get to them towards the end of the show. Nick, as we get started. What's your Bears-Patriots one-liner? Bears-Patriots one-liner would be... Man, that's a tough one, Will. I think uh, prime time. There you go. You got a little hyphen in there. So, And we'll, we'll kind of go into what, what that can mean when we talk about the Bears offense. But prime time is my one-liner. Obviously, being a Monday night game. What about you? I'm going with pride. It's actually how I ended the CHGO Bears After Dark episode on Monday. And I know you had a skedaddle. You had some errands that you needed to run that evening. But this game, if the Bears end up losing this game, Bill Belichick takes over second place of the all-time winningest NFL head mm-hmm. coach in history, which would surpass Papa Bear, George Hallis. And I know like it's going to happen eventually. Obviously, they're going to win another game under Bill Belichick. I just don't want it to happen against the Bears. I, I think that would just be... I don't know. God awful to watch as a fan. And if I'm a Bears player, a Bears coach, heck, Virginia McCaskey, watching the the head coach of the Patriots surpass my father while he's playing my Bears, 
that would piss me off. So I think there's a lot of pride at stake here for this game, at least historical pride, maybe not pride for this year in general, but historical pride for us. We may have Mac Jones and Justin Fields. And I think that's a matchup that everyone's been waiting for. Yeah. We want to see how these, obviously these quarterbacks in year two are, are, you know, in, in their career, obviously being very young, but that may be the matchup on Monday night. We didn't think that would be a possibility even a week from today, earlier this week. So we'll see if that actually happens on Monday night. Uh, I do see a super chat from Daniel coming in. Daniel, if you don't mind, we'll do it right now because it's on the screen. Screw it. I was going to say we'll keep it to the end with the rest of the Q&A, but he did give us $10. So I guess we can inject this before we get into the keys of the show. So he wants to know what was the O-line combo in practice yesterday and what may it be on Sunday? Do you have any scoop? What's the skinny, Nick? Uh, so we don't get to stay long enough to actually see the Bears line up, but I can tell you that Lucas Patrick was snapping the ball. So was Sam Mustafer, and that's just early on in individuals. But Lucas Patrick, and I, I posted a picture yesterday on my Twitter, and he, he was snapping. But like I said, also Sam Mustafer. But it's Matt Eberflus hinted that there would be they would reevaluate everything. I'm guessing that this is one of those reevaluations that they're looking at this offensive line, seeing how they can make things better. But yeah, Lucas Patrick on Thursday was snapping the ball, but so is Sam Musfer. So he's capable of it. Yeah. So there again, he's capable of snapping. I think he's been capable of it, but I don't know <laughs> what's been the, you know, Maddie Reflus's actual reason for not making that change happen. But yeah, so we'll see on uh, Monday night. I still strongly believe that if, if we see Lucas Patrick at center, that means Alex Leatherwood will play guard. I, that's just my gut feeling here that to me, that's the only path. I don't know if you put Schofield at guard. I don't know if you move Mustafer to guard. To me, that's the only way you can make this move with the current landscape of the Bears offensive line after losing Cody Whitehair. So that's just my thoughts. Uh, we'll see exactly how it shakes up on. I think the question said what would it be on Sunday. Obviously, this is a Monday night game. Uh, so we will see on Monday night how it'll all unfold. Really good questions already coming in. Keep them up uh, throughout the episode, and I promise we'll get to them at the end in a real good Q&A fashion. But Nick, are you ready to kind of get into the meat and potatoes of today's show and begin with our keys on offense? Let's get into the meat and potatoes, Well, All right, I'll begin, actually, this, this week, because I feel like I always defer to you, and once in a while you have to just receive the opening kickoff and take control early, and that's what I'm going to do here uh, to start off our show. So my first key on offense it's just to unleash the two-headed monster, Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery. I know this isn't easy, but I think it's possible for the Bears to unleash both these backs against the Patriots. They did shut down the Browns rushing attack last week, which is still the best rushing attack in the NFL. But that really surprised me to see how easily, and I don't think it was easy, but just how much they were able to slow down and stop that Browns attack. But if you go back a few weeks ago, they and by they, I mean the Patriots and their defense, they got shredded by the Packers and their two-headed attack in the backfield. Aaron Jones had 110, A.J. Dillon had 73, so that's 183 yards on 33 carries. Like I said, it's possible. It just may not be, quote, easy. And I know earlier this week, Nick, the Bears said they're going to go with the hot hand, and I just want to mm -hmm. see it more. Uh, I, I asked for it last week, and I feel like we've been talking about it off and on for a few weeks now, but I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to ask for it again. 
the split for these two running backs should be much closer to 50-50 unless one is purely popping off and they're obviously the hot hand you can ride them. Awesome. And I have some stats later in the show because actually this is another point that I want to make later on uh, about these running backs and how you should be able to kind of close the gap. But Nick, making, you know, when you have two running backs, it just makes defenses, you know, have to defend differently depending on who is on the field. They can't get too comfortable this way. And last week when you saw Herbert come out there with a 64 yarder and then he was on the Mm -hmm. field for the remainder of that drive, but then he just went MIA for way too long. Uh, I'll get to that in a bit, but it was over a quarter uh, without any meaningful stats for Herbert after he already showed you that big play capability yet again. So for me, if the bears want to come out with a win on Monday night and we all know that the Patriots believe that the rushing attack is probably like the only true threat that they need to defend and they're going to go all out for it, but they need to find a way to still be effective on the ground. I agree. Will, and you know, Bill Belichick, what has made him so good and possibly getting the record on Monday night is that he could take away your, the opponent's best attribute. And everyone knows that's the bears rushing attack. So that's going to be key for the bears. If they want to stay in this game by the end of it, if they can actually rush the football, well, my first key, and this is, I'm going to do the exact opposite of what Matty Refluse did all week in his press conferences, <laughs> ramble about nothing. And I'm just going to give you one word answers, but actually elaborate on what I'm talking about. Bring it. Communication. Communication is the first key uh, for the Bears offense. And look, the Patriots love to run their stunts up front. You're going to see a lot of game between the DNs and the interior defensive tackles. So communications from whoever the starting five may be, and maybe there's some fluctuation there with Lucas Patrick possibly being at center, but you need to be able to communicate effectively and know who's looping inside, who's got who, who's got a slide where. And that's also on Justin Fields as well. There was a lot of times too in that game against the Browns last week where the Patriots brought, they showed seven and showed eight and brought all those guys to blitz. And that's going to be on the quarterback to know where his hot route is, hot route is at to slide protection one way or the other and just be in line with the offensive line. Because again, this Patriots defense, maybe look at it from afar and say where the playmakers at, they have a lot of capable guys for sure, but not the big names. And if you allow them to get consistent pressure, they've sacked the quarterback 17 times this year, that's going to be a problem, but it all goes back to communicating. Well, all 11 on offense that can help you at least sustain some drives and possibly put up some points. Man, you're just like leading me into my second key, which I'm calling this week the double-edged sword. They need to find a way to protect themselves from it. Uh, That's Matthew Judon uh, as well as Wise. They are both threats, uh, both in pass rushing. As you mentioned, they don't have a lot of big names, but they have a couple of real capable players. Uh, And these two are good at, at pass rushing and run defense. They combine for 46 total pressures and 11 sacks through three games coming off opposite edges that's almost double anyone else on this defense and that's not all when you look at the run defense they also combined for 27 run stops this year they're the only defensive linemen or linebackers that have double digit run stops for new england they're both top 10 uh, top 15 i should say in the nfl of all defensive linemen and run stops so they're really good on the run and matthew judon too is top five uh, in pressures and tied for the most sacks in the nfl right now uh, right in line with montez sweat say darius smith and we all know how those matchups went just to kind of paint a picture for you right now so braxton jones larry Bourne, 
A, you said it, communication is, is going to be huge. And they're just going to have to be on high alert. Jones has given up 20 pressures so far this year. And we know he's a rookie. He's had tough as hell matchups. And this is just another one here for him. And the Bears just need to help their tackles, whether it's heavy, heavier set formations uh, to kind of help Justin Fields in protection and also really just establishing themselves on the ground because these edges hold their well, the edge well. So it's going to be really difficult for the Bears mm-hmm. to run that outside zone. And when the plays are kind of, you know, when they are holding the edge on one side and you're looking for those cutback lanes, well, the other guy, whether it's Judon, whether it's Wise, they come down, they crash hard from the backside of this defense and can gobble up ball carriers from behind. So you're going to get sandwiched uh, throughout the majority of this game from these guys. So the Bears are going to just have to find a way to live with it and make sure it's not a game plan record. I, I said that last week with Sweat. Don't allow him to ruin the game. And boy, did he have a handful of just big impact splash plays. And we saw what happened to the Bears offense. So yet again, big primetime matchups on the outside that the Bears need to find a way to defend. Yeah, well, number nine, Matthew Judon, like that's the guy. Again, you don't, uh, being on the Patriots, maybe not the biggest name, but he's tied for the league and all the hot, you know, the categories you want for a defensive lineman, he's a problem. Like you just mentioned, he's the problem. And we said that about Montez Sweat on this preview show last week. And he ended up being a problem for the Bears on that Thursday night game. Second key, again, keeping it real simple, real simple, stupid, right? Execution. And that's what's something you hear from Matty Refluse every press conference. I know the offense needs to execute better, but this can be anything from catching the ball cleanly. Darnell Mooney had a chance to win the game, catch the ball cleanly. Uh, running the correct route. How many times have we heard guys not running the right route or being in the wrong spot? Whatever it may be. Again, it's a new offense, only a couple games into this. Still, you need to be on the same page. And then resetting your internal clock will help you with executing. That's what um, Justin Fields just talked about yesterday. Something that he actually brought up to his coaches after watching that Washington Commanders film. Like He was just accelerating the clock in his head, and he noticed that later in the game. But he wants his coaches, if they notice that in game, to let him know. And so not every snap, is there's going to be pressure. It's basically how he wants it to phrase it in his mind so he doesn't speed up that clock. All that compiles into having better execution if they don't make those mistakes. And we know that all season long, Will, that's been the the Achilles heel, the theme for this Bears offense. Whether it's in the red zone, in the middle of the field, they just can't execute in different phases of the game. And that's why you're seeing, what, a, only a touchdown score. These low, low margins of error throughout a game where if the Bears get behind the chain, it's over. And we we that's been a common theme for years now, but mm-hmm. execution, execution for this Bears offense is going to be a, a major key if the Bears again want to hang around in this one. So we're like ten days out from Halloween. Are you just trying to say that Justin needs to not see ghosts out there right now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a big. It's hard though. It's tough when your offensive line is giving up pressure on maybe every other play. You think it's going to be every play. Like I don't blame him for speeding up that clock, but that's a part of playing the quarterback position. And I'm glad that he recognized that himself and is now hopefully working on that going into this game. I mentioned this before, but it's very similar. Like when I played Madden and I, I'm the bears and the offensive line protections got awful. And so as soon as I get the ball, I'm scrambling to like a sideline to try to throw on the run. And even if I slide protection, it's, not always great because defenses catch up on that as we've seen in real life too. And sometimes you do have to just stand in the pocket and make a throw, get that ball out quickly and not abandon ship too soon. So it 
I definitely understand what you mean. And if it's hard for me in a virtual world, I couldn't imagine being a, a you know a professional athlete going having these you know grown ass men barreling down at you full speed. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I more than understand it. But this it is what he signed up for, and he does need to do a better job of it. All right, my third key on offense, I'm calling yak attack. Uh, and this is just another sneaky good area for the Patriots defense the last two weeks, just limiting yards after the catch. And it's a big reason why they've only allowed 15 combined points over the last two weeks. 15 last week, a shutout against the Lions two weeks ago. Uh, but, you know, when you look at this defense, the corners over the last two weeks, they've given up 18 catches, uh, but only 44 yards after the catch. Uh, some of this is due to allowing bigger plays and then making the tackle downfield. So I'm not saying big plays aren't happening, but receivers aren't gaining a lot of yardage after the catch, whether it's the short catches and trying to gain those or some of those deep ones too. Uh, every cornerback, but one for New England has allowed a passer rating of 65 or lower in this current two win streak for the Patriots. And the one target that the bears must find a way to exploit is their slot corner. That's miles Bryant. He's a little bit smaller, five, eight, He's allowed 72.7% completions and a passer rating of 119 this year. He is a favorable matchup, whether you want to throw Darnell Mooney in the slot, whether it's EQ, Pettis, maybe Nikhil Harry comes back. You can throw different bodies in there, uh, but that is like the one matchup that I can see the Bears having good success on. But uh, like I said, limiting the yak, big reason why they've only given up 15 points and only averaging 15 first downs allowed to opposing offenses too. They've been very stingy getting offenses off the field and just keeping them out of the end zone. So find ways to make plays with the ball in your hands, whether it's a running back in the flat, uh, catching a slant, or heck, doing something downfield too. The Bears just need to find a way to get more yards after the catch, and it won't be easy. No, it won't, Will. And all of our fans will agree with that. Like They just need to get the ball to their playmakers and, and see what they can do because – Offense has been really hard to come by uh, in these first couple of weeks. All right. I believe you only do two for offense. Am I right? Am I finally mm -hmm. getting this down? Yep. 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 Hallelujah. Got it well. All right. So real quickly to recap my three in offense again, unleash the two-headed monster of Herbert and Montgomery. Uh, find a way to combat that double-edged sword that the Patriots have with Judon and Wise. And I'm calling it Yak Attack. Find ways to make plays uh, after the catch. Yep, and mine are pretty simple. Communication, execution, only two keys here. And if the Bears can at least start there, hey, they're in a lot better spot than they were on uh, Thursday Night Football against Commander. So maybe they can get these two things right. Maybe. We shall see. All right, time for the defense, which technically means it's the second half. So you get a start. Yeah, so look, we have not seen enough pressure from this Bears front seven. If you, it's Bailey Zappi or if it's Mac Jones – they're all going to run this Patriots offense, and he had all day to throw against the Browns. A good front seven. We we all know how that front seven can be, and you can ask Justin Fields that. But if the Bears are in unable to create pressure, and you know that Robert Quinn hasn't been the player that he was last year, Travis Gibson hasn't been been creating pressure. Justin Jones, you know, has been the most consistent, but he's in the interior. They just need to find ways to do so well, and I don't know if that's bringing more guys. And I know that's against Matt Eberflus and Alan Williams, their philosophy, but you got to do something to generate it because it's not happening organically with the front four, and you're seeing Jaquan Brisker get like maybe the one sack of the game on a, on a safety blitz, but what's happening right now is not good enough, and regardless of who plays quarterback on Monday night, Zappi or Jones, and it's looking like it's going to be Jones for this game, then you he's going to pick you apart. 
Like, they know the system. They know exactly what to do. Zappi went for 309 and two touchdowns against the Browns because he had a clean pocket. So the Bears need to find a way to create pressure however they, they want to do that. Yeah, nope. I mean, pressure has been a huge issue for the Bears, as you already mentioned. I don't want to even... I don't even want to dive into it because I think that can almost be an entire topic that we can dive into for a whole episode. It's been that bad and finding ways to get it done and what's going wrong up front. But my first key, uh, I'm calling shell. Yeah, like the Bears need to play a little bit of a shell defense here, whether whoever's under quarterback. I know with Mac Jones, they do push the ball downfield a little bit more than you saw with Zappy. Zappy was more that dink and duck. Jones will take some of the more deeper chances, but I like the Bears matchups. Uh, really all the way uh, allow, around here. Just don't allow anything easy underneath. They need to flow downhill. Uh, allow, you know, disallow them from making big plays after the catch. Uh, New England is very average in making these sorts of plays. Their best player for the catch is Ramon J. Stevenson, uh, and he ranks 42nd uh, in the NFL in yards after the catch. Uh, so the Bears should have those outside matchups to play this sort of defense, have some safety help over the top. If the Patriots want to have a deep shot, I feel good with Brisker or Eddie Jackson back there. Uh, Jones has hit, had two interceptions. He's only hit 50% of his passes when he is throwing 20 or more yards down the field. And I just want to make sure, you know, if you're going to do this, you have to keep those windows limited uh, between the corners and the safeties or the linebackers. They need to get their proper depth too to eliminate some of those windows in the intermediate game too. So uh, between that and just open field tackling, which I think we've seen improvement on over the last couple of weeks too from this Bears defense, especially Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon, uh, as long as they can continue that, uh, and keep things underneath and don't allow anything over the top. The Bears should have themselves at least getting off of the field. Uh, or if they're trying to bend and not break, they need to make sure they don't break. Uh, and I have more about the Bears breaking on defense, which we've seen all too much uh, later on in this episode. But I still feel like you can contain them with a shell defense. This was a key, though. I will admit that I did kind of line up thinking Zappy was going to play until this Mac Jones over the last two days. It's kind of taking more momentum. He will take the top off the defense a little bit more, but I still think it's a, a solid enough key that I didn't change it here uh, before the show. So that's my first key. What's your number set? What's your number two? Yeah, anytime you can limit big plays, well, that's going to be huge for any defense. And that's why my second key is contain these tight ends. You look at what they did against the Browns last week. They've been relatively quiet all season. This Hunter Henry and then Johnu Smith. But yeah, 31-yard touchdown for Hunter Henry, four receptions, 61 yards. And Jonu Smith, a guy um, who's been around in the league a little bit, two receptions, 61 yards, both exactly the same yardage, but he had a 53-yard long um, completion. So you can't allow these big physical guys to get downfield and make big plays against a Jaquan Brisker or maybe lines up in the slot and, God forbid, like Kyle, Kyler Gordon's on him, even though he's been playing better. But that's just another element you're going to have to think about if the tight ends are able to even have 61 yards doesn't seem like the most, but it's the explosive plays mm -hmm. that can definitely ch change and impact the defense. Both these tight ends had each one of those in, in that game against the Browns. You cannot allow that same type of production to happen on Monday night against the Bears. I mean, right along with you, I'm not looking at tight ends. But I'm looking at a playmaker. And uh, my second key is stop the hot slot, which is Jacoby Myers. He is just dangerous in the slot half of his targets have come from the slot this year he's lining up in the slot 70 percent of his snaps so far and averaging 13.2 yards per catch so again he catches the ball it's most likely going to be a third down uh, first down at 13.2 uh, he's also very good at contested catches he's caught 80 percent of his targets this year that were contested 
But as we've mentioned, Kyler Gordon, he's been playing better over the last three weeks. He's giving up 74% less yards in coverage compared to weeks one through three. Only 84 yards compared to the 317 uh, that he gave up in the first three weeks of the year. His pass rating allowed over the last three weeks is 88. Compare that to the first three weeks of 155.8. You can just see the growth here from Kyler Gordon. So I feel like he can hold down the slot. And if he does that, I feel good about Jalen Johnson holding down his sideline. Oh, and I don't know if you paid attention to Kendall Vildor as much as I have. And we've mentioned he's been playing better, but I didn't know it was this good, Nick. He is the highest graded bear in coverage over the last three weeks. And again, PFF grades taken with a grain of salt. But he's allowing a passer rating when targeted in the last three weeks, so four, five, and six. The passer rating when thrown to is 21.4 for Kendall Vildor. That is impressive. He's also only allowing reception on every 17.3 snaps uh, there too. So not being thrown to a lot, but when he is, not a lot of good is happening for opposing offenses right now. Again, a passer rating of 21.4 when he threw to Kendall Vildor. Like who would have thought that after the first couple of weeks of the season? I still, I said on Monday night and I'll reiterate it. Uh, I feel like he had that light bulb moment against the Texans when he had that PBU that ended up in Eddie Jackson's hand. Ever since that moment, he has been playing so much better. And I, if that's the, uh, you know, the switch that got flipped that moment, and that could be like a, a great turning point for his career and something that we can look back at fondly towards the end of this year. Yeah, well, he's playing confident, and it's really good to see because he got a lot of crap last year, and his play kind of, you know, didn't it deserved it in in a sense. But he's playing some good football right now. My last key is forced turnovers, something that we haven't seen all too much as of late with this Bears defense. And the Patriots have given away the football um, uncharacteristically a lot this season: eleven total turnovers, tied for the third most in the league, six interceptions, five fumbles. And you look at the games that they've won, and it, again, there's three games. There's three and three this season versus the Browns, one fumble versus the Lions, one interception versus Steelers, one interception. All got wins in that one. They also only had one turnover against Green Bay Packers and still lost that game. But the other two games, the outliers here, you had three turnovers against Miami and then four against Baltimore. So this team has given away the football. We know that that's something that the Bears defense wants to accomplish. Find a way to do so. Swat at the football. Take chances. Like, Kendall Vildor's playing more confident. He finally got his first interception against Minnesota. Like, we need to see these defensive players in the right times take their chances. Take Because the Patriots offense has given the football away. If you can create turnovers, I know Eberflus is going to want that. I know this defensive unit's going to want it. This is a team to try to do so. Because, again, 11 turnovers. Tied for third most in the NFL right now. See if you can make that happen in prime time. And you feel like even with the Jones, that's like a trend that should continue. Well, I mean, those losses, yeah, there he mm-hmm. was a part of um part of those. So it's again, maybe that's just a trend of their season. They have a, a good year, but they just can't hold on to the football. Don't let this be the week where they figure it out. And obviously, they figured it out in those three wins with only one turnover. But the Bears just need to create more. However, they do it. So this would be a good game to try suit. So. All right, my final key. Uh, it's you know I've talked about the Bears breaking, and we've seen it in the red zone. It's been very, very bad. But I think specifically, if you're looking at a matchup and something the Bears need to do in order to win this game, it's just have a really good game in the red zone on defense, in particular their run defense in the red zone. And the Bears and run defense have not been a thing so far this year. We know it. 
We've seen it all too well, but uh, the Patriots, only two touchdowns this year inside the red zone have come through the air. Hunter Henry, he's the leading guy inside the 20. He has uh, the most targets on the team, but only two catches and zero touchdowns to show for it. So they're doing a lot of their damage in the red zone. It's coming on the ground, six rushing touchdowns in the red zone, which again, that's three times as many as they have through the air. Uh, Stevenson has 14 carries down there. Damian Harris, who was a full go this week in practice, uh, he mm-hmm. also has uh, nine carries, and they combine for five touchdowns on the ground. So you have two capable running backs who can find pay dirt inside the 20. Now the Bears, over the last three games, they've allowed touchdowns on 75% of red zone trips to opposing offenses. Big reason why they lost the last three games. The Patriots, they get inside the 20 around four times per game. So if you do the averages, that's 21 easy points for the Patriots. Like, boom, easy, done. So the Bears just seem to be more stout in the red zone. And it's kind of a piggyback off my key last week. Just grow a damn backbone. Quit being a turnstile on defense. And they didn't grow one last week. They have another opportunity to find a vertebrae here this week, Nick. So for me, grow another backbone and just be better in the red zone, and particularly in your run defense. And uh, I think we're all still waiting to see it happen. I don't know if it will, but it's definitely a key. Yeah, no, it is. Well, like if the defense played like it did in the first half against Washington throughout the entirety of the game, the Bears Bears win that game, right? They're mm-hmm. they're looking pretty good, but they just have not found both both halves of football to match for an entire game yet. So it, it's going to be a tough task to ask them to do that here in um against New England. But to recap my keys real quick, create pressure. And I know the Bears only like to bring four, but you got you got to try something different, man. It's not working right now. Contain the tight ends. Both uh, Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith had some, had big catches in the win against the Browns last week. So watch for them to continue to make plays in this game then force turnovers the Patriots like to give away the football 11 total turnovers this year see if you can make it happen this Monday and then my three keys you know shell yeah play a little bit more of a shell defense don't let them beat you over the top but also to try to keep everything in front of you and make those open field tackles stop the hot slot that is known as Jacoby Myers Kyler Gordon has a tough matchup but he's been playing better think you can do that and then again red zone run defense it's gonna be pivotal for the bears if the patriots get inside the 20 and they can just run it in and keep it on the ground to the clock and the bears provide no resistance and they end up in getting points and they just keep breaking inside the, in the red zone it's gonna be very difficult for the bears to kind of keep up in a game like that all right those are our keys let's talk about shady rays real quick one of my uh you know one of our favorite partners uh right now at least for me uh, i've been a uh I guess a customer of Shady Rays for years now. They just never understood like why sunglasses were so expensive. So they really just set out to change it. You don't have to break the bank for quality sunglasses this fall because our friends at Shady Rays, they have you covered. They are premium polarized shades featuring world-class optical clarity, sustainable durability, and styles catered to everyone and every lifestyle. And my favorite part about Shady Rays is their insane protection program in all of eyewear, lost and broken replacements. If you lose or just break one of your shades on day one, they will just send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Dropped in a lake, off a cliff, anything, they will replace them. I lost mine for like six months. I told myself, I'm going to find these suckers. Nope, never did. Reached out to them. No questions asked. Like, yep, we'll send you a new one in the mail. Easy peasy. They have, uh, uh, what? They seem to agree that the customers, they have over 200,000 five-star reviews. I'm one of them, by the way. Uh, they stand behind their product and told our team that if anyone has a problem, they'll throw the profit out the window and do what it takes to get it right. Free returns and exchanges. You either love the shades or Shady Rays will pay to ship them back. 
That's it. So exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is running their deepest deal of the season. Use code CHGO, and that gets you 50% off two or more pairs at ShadyRays.com. Buy one, get one free. You can get two pairs as low as $54. Redeem only at ShadyRays.com, where you can find all their newest and best shades. I can't wait till we uh, get our pair, Will. And, or that'll be my first pair of Shady Rays, and I cannot wait to rock them. I know Doug's saying in here, oh, Nick, don't say you're wearing them. Once I get them, Doug, I'm going to wear them every day. I'm going to wear them on this next preview show just for you. But I need to tell everyone first about game time. I'm going to ask you, listeners, viewers, a series of questions here. Have you ever dreamed of sitting in the seat you never thought you could? 50-yard line, uh, courtside, behind home plate, floor seats at a concert. It's possible with the game time app, the biggest last-minute price drops, can be found on the seats you thought you could never buy. You won't find a better deal this season on Bears tickets. I know they don't look too good right now, but it's still always a good time whenever you head to Soldier Field and watch the Bears. And if you love CHGO, then you'll love the Game Time app. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description below. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. All right, Nick. We did a few of those, and now it's time for our Bears Bowl predictions. Brought to you by Green Ridge Farm, a.k.a. It's time for some meat stick talk. <laughs> and right. That's really picked up here, Will, the meat sticks. Everyone knows, um, yep, Green Ridge Farm and the delicious meat sticks. I, I brought mm-hmm. some in studio, was that yesterday, two days ago. And, you know, Mark and Adam obviously loved uh, the meat sticks, and they're, they're just a great product, yeah. Awesome. You got to, you know, we got to love meat stick time here every single week. This is probably, you know, one of the segments I look most forward to uh, my bold prediction this week, man, it's, I've, it's unfortunate that you get to this point so quickly in a bear season. I feel like we've done this more often than not where mild predictions start to become bold, no matter if you're looking at offense mm-hmm. or defense, but I'm swinging for the fences this week, Nick. And you may laugh me out of the podcast and have to finish it for yourself, but I'm going to say the Bears take down Mac Jones four times. Don't spit out your drink. Four times on Monday night. Four sack day for the Bears. So four sacks for me is my bold prediction. What is your bold prediction, Mr. Moriano? That'd be great, Will. Four sacks against Mac Jones, Bailey's app, whoever ends up being, that'd be fantastic. Uh, my bold prediction, I'm going on defense. I, I've given up on offensive bold predictions for the rest of this year until they show me something. But I'm going with Jalen Johnson, arguably their best defensive player, their best player on this roster right now, how he's been playing. But I told you that the Patriots like to turn over the ball. I have Jalen Johnson for this bold prediction, not only getting an interception in this one, but also forcing a fumble to add on to the turnovers that the Patriots have given up this season and getting two for the bears a much a team that needs turnovers and all the opportunities to score so bold prediction two turnovers for jalen johnson interception and a forced fumble i like it while nick tells us more about these tremendous meat sticks uh that he does every single week if you have a bold prediction throw it in the chat we'll throw it up on the screen love to see those come in every single week but nick you got it you got to give the people what they want tell us more about these meat sticks what they want more meat sticks and yes for green ridge farm it's a chicago local meat and cheese company that offers a better all-natural option green ridge farms are the makers of all natural deli meat sausages and of course their famous meat sticks perfect for tailgating happy hour sharing on a in-studio podcast chgo bears podcast 
anything you want, the meat sticks are going to be there for you. And they also have 16 grams of protein per stick, perfect for that post-workout snack. And right now, when you order any three meat products at GreenRidgeFarm.com and include a pack of those meat sticks in your cart, those meat sticks will be free. All you have to do is use the code CHGO at checkout. Great stuff there, Nick. We're going to get into our X factors. Uh, but before we do, I just want to say hit the like button if you haven't yet. Uh, we want to see that number go up throughout the entire episode. It, it really just helps us out. And really, uh, I think Nick and I are throwing out tremendous information from start to finish of this podcast. So if you appreciate it, make sure you hit that like button. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Will DeWitt. My L's are ones. And of course, Nicholas Moriano as well at Nicholas Moriano. So it's time to get into our X factors this week. And Nick, I'm going to kick it right back over to you. What is your Bears Patriots X factor? Look, this is going to be, this is something here. Well, it's the passing game. That's the X factor <gasps> for the Bears. Yes, the passing game. And I mentioned earlier, Bill Belichick likes to take away a team's, you know, best attribute. And we all know that's the Bears rushing attack. Can this Bears passing game actually be relevant? in this Monday night game against the Patriots because we know that we they have some capable pass rushers. We know the Bears' offensive line has given up a lot of pressure. We know Justin Fields has made mistakes. We know these receivers have. There's been a, a culmination of just mistakes made on this entire unit, it, include Luke Getze and the play calling when it's called. So can this unit be relevant, can help them actually win games, can get them out of situations? If, that's, if that becomes a factor, uh, against the Patriots, then we have something going here. Then potentially you can sustain drives, actually put up points. But as of right now, Will, it has lost the Bears games because of their inability to function as a unit. Let's see if the passing game can show up. And now we actually have an offense here that we can we can talk about and see what they're actually capable of. But right now, X-Factor, just the passing game. Again, it really sucks to get to this point where these mild things, these obvious things that should just be a part of, I guess, any respectable team in the league just becomes like an X factor or a bold prediction. It's, it's unfortunate we're here, but we are, and that's just what we have to do, uh, work with. My X factor is not specific to the passing game, but you talked about like not making mistakes. And that's a lot, you know, really where mine comes down to. And it's, just complimentary football. Uh, the Bears have just hurt themselves way too much. You know, punt returns uh, that are muffed and costly times, literally giving games away, not taking advantage of good starting field position on offense, coming away with no points, not scoring points after takeaways, the defense giving up consecutive touchdowns in a row at the same exact time when the offense decides to go scoreless for extended droughts. It's a recipe for, well, disaster. So all three units this week. Uh, we need to find a way to help one another. Special teams, don't give the game away. Offense needs to find ways to score if the defense gives them a good field to work with, whether it be a stop, whether it be a turnover. And the defense, you know, you need to find a way. Like I said, grow a backbone. Don't give up touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. And then for the offense, don't go scoreless for quarters or halves or an entire game. Like, let's find ways to put up some points. I think points are going to be needed to win this game, which is simple. Complimentary football, don't allow one unit to, you know, screw it for the other two. That's uh, really what it's going to come down here to today. And it's just, I think the big one are those muff punts at the end, like the third phase being something that just gives the game away or doesn't allow the Bears to even have a chance to win the game. And so it, it's been rough to watch. So 
complimentary football. It's preached in every single ball club. It's a given. It's huge. Uh, and this week, it's going to be my X factor. If if they don't play complimentary football, they're not going to win this game. I think it's pretty simple as that. Speaking of uh, muff punts there, Will, uh, actually the Browns punt returner had a muff punt in that game against the Patriots last week. Hit him right through his hands. He's looking in the sun. Dropped. And then also Bailey Zappi threw a um, a ball off a, a helmet. It wasn't intercepted, though, like Justin Fields in the red zone, but threw the ball right at his offensive lineman's helmet and fell incomplete. Actually, he caught it. That's right. He threw it. He caught it and lost lost a couple yards. So he got sacked. So don't throw the ball at your teammates' helmets. No, yeah, no no kidding. Was there someone from Brazil? Did I see that pop up? Yes. I Foster was up there. I, I okay. put a comment there. There we go. That's awesome. That's from Chicago to Brazil. I think Daniel said, there it is. Uh, send, you know, a hi to a Bears fan from Brazil. Hello, and uh, appreciate Hola. your fandom and your support all the way in Brazil. You know, Nick and I, we've been podcasting about the Bears now for over seven years, and I think it's one of our favorite parts is just getting to meet, whether it's virtually like this or in person, Bears fans from the entire globe. Nick, I know you did that map years ago. Like, where are our listeners coming from? And it's it's yeah. global, and it's awesome to see. So thank you for uh, giving a shout-out in the chat here, and uh, definitely hello from uh, the both of us, Nick. Are you ready to figure out who has the edge? No, but let's no. Let's, <laughs> I don't think we'll need broomsticks this week, we'll, but we'll find out. Uh, Bears passing attack versus that Patriots pass defense. I know it's your X factor, but do they have an edge here? I feel like I know where this is going to go. I don't think they do, Will. Um, I know there's pieces that you can attack in this Patriots defense, but collectively – the unit's doing some good things, and the, the Bears are still trying to figure things out, Will. And I don't know if this is the game where the passing attack evolves, but this is Monday Night Football. And we know what Justin Fields did the last time he was on Monday Night Football against the Steelers on the road, unleashed, just he showed what he's capable of, and he never has quite got back to that. But I just don't think this is going to be the game. I would love to be wrong. I Go play mm-hmm. like you did in Pittsburgh and you know potentially win the game there, but... I'm going to give this edge to the Patriots here, Will. Okay, yeah. I, I figured that's exactly where your head was at. But, of course, like I said, we would love to be wrong. We're not trying to just, yeah, you know, put the Bears down. I think it's obvious that they've been struggling through the air. But if they can turn things around, it would be, I guess, unexpected and out of the ordinary. So it's just hard mm-hmm. to give them the edge coming into this matchup. I know the Patriots have given up big plays through the air, but and the Bears do make big plays through the air. But will that be uh, enough? And will it happen on Monday? That's, I think that's the question. Uh, For me, Bears rush attack versus Patriots run defense. And boy, this one's interesting because the Bears are like one of the best rushing teams in the NFL. And the Patriots run defense, they had a couple good games, but overall they haven't been like great at stopping the run. But I'm still going to give it to the Patriots uh, just because I feel like I'm maybe reading too much into their ability to shut down the Browns like they did last week. Again, the Browns are the league's best rushing attack and the fact that they held them down to like around 70 yards has me sweating uh, a little bit and really another reason why i'm giving the patriots defense the edge here uh and i talked about it in one of my keys is the play the edge players and the bears love to run the outside zone and i think they're going to take away some of those cutback lanes and getting and establishing the edge and getting around it i think will be difficult and i want to see the bears actually back up the claim about going to a hot hand i mentioned it Herbert had that 64-yarder, and then he was gone. Uh, It took five drives. I had charted it out earlier today. It took five drives, Nick, for the Bears to finally go back to Cleo Herbert. And that's just, 
you know, a few too many, if you're asking me. Like, obviously, he went out there, provided and showcased that he can go and make a big play against that commander's defense, and he got rewarded by being off the field for four straight drives before coming back on. I think he had one carry, like three drives into it, and then he was, like, right back off the field. And then it was finally, like, in that fifth drive, like, okay, let's have Herbert have a drive again. And they actually run the field a little bit more than some of the other ones, too. So... You mentioned it, that the Patriots are going to kind of like sell out to stop the run because that's the only real threat they have to worry about. They want the game to go into Justin's hands. So all of that, to me, leads to the Patriots' defense having the edge here. All right, Nick, Patriots' rushing attack and that Bears' run defense. This one is like the easiest one of the week, every single week so far. Yeah, it is, and I'm going with the Patriots. I'm going with the Patriots. And you mentioned, like, the red zone production they've had. Like, I still feel like the Bears can actually do somewhat of a decent job when they're not in the red zone, but once they get to that portion of the field, that's where you're going to see those points scored. That's how the Patriots do score their points. And also, you got to add in, it's not just their running backs. Like, Tyquan Thornton had a couple of jet sweeps in that game against the Browns. He scored a touchdown. Off one. That's all going to be a part of that rushing attack. And I just don't think the Bears are going to do enough to mitigate the damage and feel the ultimate effect of that uh, Patriots rushing attack. So going with, with the Patriots here for my, my two edges, going with New England. Okay. Well, luckily, I'm here to save the day. Uh, just want to throw it out there. So I have the Patriots passing attack versus that Bears pass defense. And I'm going to give it to the Bears. Uh, they have given up the third fewest yards per game through the air. Part of that's because teams can run up and down this Bears defense. I understand it, but they only gave up 86 yards through the air last week. You know, if, if Mac Jones ends up playing, I'm just hoping for some rust here to kind of get back into game shape and get back out there to game speed. Uh, we've mentioned Kyler Gordon coming into his zone. Same thing with Kendall Vildor. Jalen Johnson being back now for the second straight week should only help him play yet a higher level. Eddie Jackson, Jaquan Brisker, we know they've been playing well. Roquan can help clean up underneath. The only real valid, legitimate concern here that I have is that pass rush and the lack of it. And, and I don't, like you said, they need to find a way to hit home, put some pressure on, make quarterbacks sweat a bit. It ain't happening with the front four. So whether it be Roquan coming up through the A gap, Risker crashing off the edge, maybe both at the same time. I don't know. Figure it out. Kyler Gordon can blitz too. Uh, but mm -hmm. if the even if the Bears don't have, I would say, consistent pass rush, they should have the players in coverage to kind of limit the impact here. So I will give the bears an edge here. It may not be a buy a lot, but they need an edge somewhere this week. And uh, I think if any of them is going to be it, this is the matchup for it. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you, you did that because it's been close with these sweeps here, but the bears may find a way. That's right. They, they do. Um, but can we find a way on Monday night? That's going to be uh, the question here. All right, uh, before we get into our over-unders, MVB, and all the good fun stuff towards the end of the show, real quickly, uh, I want to let you know about FOCO. Chicago, you've already got the best coverage for your favorite team, so get fitted out in the best sports gear around. FOCO got you covered from Soldier Field to the front room, north or south side, with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Get decked out like Damar with apparel from the Leader in Sports, merch, and collectibles, FOCO. Looking for your perfect gift for the football fan in your life? FOCO got you covered with hoodies, 
the fight that Lake Michigan breeze, which you know is coming uh, with tremendous force now that we're almost to November. So check out foco.com or click the link in our description below. That's of course here on YouTube and the podcast player of your choice for all non presale items. Just use the promo code CHGO and that's going to unlock you 10% off again. That is at foco.com, F O C O.com. I just got to tell our listeners and viewers real quickly about Pins and Aces, which is the official golf apparel partner of CHGO. They are family-owned golf and apparel business, and they make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and even our favorite beer sleeve. And this one's really cool, an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bag and keep drinks cold the entire round. I'll probably need all those when I actually go golfing because... Not very good at will, so I can have the beers instead. And you can check out pinsandaces.com and use the code CHGO to receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. That's, again, pinsandaces.com. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's like me and darts. The more beers I have, the better at darts I become. Maybe it's the same for golf. I've, uh, I'm not great either. I, I feel like you and I can just go to a course and really hold up everyone behind us and just play a tr- you know, yeah. god awful game and you know have fun uh, along the way. But good stuff there, Nick. We need to do some over unders, and unfortunately, there's not a lot this week because a the Bears play on Monday night, and b sure. they don't know who's playing quarterback in New England, so they're not really wanting to come out with a lot of player props for that side of the game. But we have some Bears ones uh, to share. So Nick, the very first over under via our provider. Uh, the sportsbook provider at DraftKings, so you can definitely play along with us here. They have the passing touchdowns for Justin set at 0.5. So it's can he at least get one? He got one last week. It was the only score the Bears had. So yes, he he can. He's capable of it. But I just don't. It's 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 tough. Will to get one sometimes. So I'm gonna go yes. He does. Okay, I'm saying yes Over. too. Uh, I feel like again like. I'm not going to say he's going to go out there and throw for 400 and multiple touchdowns, but I feel like he can have one Darnell Mooney. I mentioned that, that one in the slot uh, in terms of like that favorable matchup. Why not make him pay in the red zone off of it? Or, Hey, he's been making some of those bigger plays. Dante Pettis. Maybe he's in store for another one. Maybe just a simple screen, a pop pass to Bayless. There's so many ways he can just get one. So I'll take the over Mm -hmm. on that too. Uh, passing yards for Justin. The line is currently at 164.5. I mean, I've taken the over the last two weeks, and he's gotten over. I'm going over this again. I'm going to continue that trend. It obviously, hasn't produced very good offensive overall offensive results, but I will go over that number there, Will. Okay. How about the longest completion from Justin this week? This is a new one. We haven't done this one yet, but hey. We're with DraftKings now, and we get new props to play with. Uh, the longest completion, they have the bar at 32.5. Does he hit one seems, deeper than that? That seems far, Well, It seems a little far for me in this game. The <laughs> yards after catch could could uh, be a factor here. I'm going to go under. I'm going to go under that 32 mark. Okay, so you took over on Justin at the 164.5 for passing yards. They do have a prop for pass and rushing yards for Justin, and that line's at 215.5. So total yards. That's where it gets a little tricky here, Will. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going under. I'm going, well, he's gonna be running though. <laughs> it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Every game he's gonna be running, right? And but he take. I'm gonna go under there. What about you? I feel like under just because I don't want to set him up for failure if I say over and set my expectations too high. And those edges, I feel like 
Bill Belichick, we said it. He's going to take away the Bears' mm-hmm. best threat. And we say it's the running game, but we have failed to mention that a big part of that is Justin and his ability to run. So I feel like there's going to be a spy True. for the majority of this game to just stop that. Force Justin to beat you in the pocket. Don't allow him to beat you with his feet. So that's why I'm going to just kind of lean under right now. What about David Montgomery at 55 and a half on the ground? I don't know, Will. Uh, if this hot hand thing is actually what the Bears are going to do, and if Khalil Herbert's getting you know, good production, which he has, the leading rusher in terms of yards per carry this season, I don't know if he gets that mark. I mean, we want David Montgomery to be a part of this offense. Um, I'm going to say under. I'm going to say over because I want to be contra- a little contrary to you right now. I don't know if I have a lot of rationale behind it because we already mentioned – that run defense and what they're able to do last week against the Browns. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm just going to throw some money out there and, you know, hope I can get a little bit more return uh, on my investment. Uh, what about Darnell Mooney and his line at 43 and a half receiving yards? Such low bars, such low bars, but 43 and a half. I think that he can go over that mark. Will and, you know, if I'm saying over on the passing yards, someone's got to catch the ball. So Fair. Uh, we'll give it to Darnell Mooney. What about Cole Komet, 22 and a half? Oh, God. Um, oh, God. Yeah, I don't I don't know about Cole Komet, you guys. Like, I don't know how everyone else is feeling about Cole Komet this season, but there's no expectation. He did have some catches over the middle of the field. I mean, that's where he's had production at all this season, so under still. <laughs> okay, and then how about one more for you here? That was under rushing attempts. It was actually an interesting one. The only player they have a prop for rushing attempts is Justin, and that's at seven and a half. I'll go over. I'll go okay. over seven and a um, half. Yeah. I'm going to say under because I think they're going to just force them to stay in that pocket, find ways to do it, whether it's contain along the edges or a spy in the middle or a combination of the two. Uh, so I'm going to say under. However, Justin does have amazing acceleration burst. And as we know, <laughs> I guess the desire to bail rather quickly. So yeah. he may he may easily uh, hit the over two. Um, and I'll do one more longest reception. Um, let's go from David Montgomery. Cause this one's maybe a little easier. They have his longest reception coming at 8.5. Oh man. I mean, he's had a couple of screens this season that have picked up some good yards. So maybe that's the way he gets over that mark there. All right. Uh, I think I'm going to just call it there. Cause these lines are just very depressing. Uh, so I'm just going to close my phone. <laughs> set it upside down, and then ask you, who's the MVB going to be? Well, I kind of hinted at it with my bold prediction, but I think Jalen Johnson will be. Um, He's a guy that can shut down his side of the field and a guy that's been very consistent, regardless of who the receiver is opposite of him. And he has missed some time with that quad injury, but he's somebody that removed himself from, after the loss of Washington, he went back home, kind of removed himself from football, is ready for this fresh start. And ready to kind of just end, you know, go through these last 11 games, however they go. But I know Jalen Johnson's going to be ready. So I think he's going to be the MVP in this one. All right. One DB for MVB. We'll make it two. I'm going with Kyler Gordon, who's just been you know, ascending over the last three weeks. And I just continue, uh, expect that ascension to, well, continue here. And Jacoby Myers, as I mentioned, is by and large the biggest passing threat for the Patriots, and most of his production has been coming in the slot. And if they can slow him down, 
that's going to really help this Bears defense just be able to focus more uh, on some of the other elements of this offense, whether it's getting after you know whoever's playing quarterback, be a little bit more aggressive in coverage, you know, try to stop that run a little bit too. And uh, I feel like if Kyler Gordon can just keep Myers to just modest numbers, nothing that you know breaks the game by any means. Uh, that's enough to put yourself in MVB worthy contention. And he's been very good. Gordon has coming up in run support, making these open field tackles in key situations. So I feel like at the end of the day, Kyler Gordon may earn himself the first MVB honors of his young bears career. Love it. Love it. Go in the secondary. Cause we know we can't go on the offense right now. Will. <laughs> yeah, that, that may be it. And the defensive line, so you're, you're, we're just catering to the bear strengths right now, which again, if you're looking for the most valuable bear, that makes a, a lot of sense. All right. Who wins? What was that look for? What's that look I, for? I, yeah. I mean, the way we've been kind of, you know, talking through this will and seeing the matchups here, I got the Patriots winning. It's a tough matchup. And regardless of who's playing quarterback, it's a system that they run and both these quarterbacks can execute it. I have the Patriots winning 27, Bears 13, in a game that's not really close. It's Bill Belichick versus a first-year head coach and Matt Eberflus, and he just has ways of making you overthink things and not play your game and taking away your best attribute. And, you know, once if once that starts happening in a hostile environment, then things can go, you know, bad, bad quickly. So got the Patriots 27, Bears 13. All right. Unfortunately... I'm in the same boat as you. I, I wish I can be uh, in a different one, but I have the Patriots winning uh, 24. For some reason, I feel like the Bears can score 17, uh, which is three scores in a game. Uh, but the Patriots, they've scored 24 points or more every single game since week three. And I've mentioned what they've been able to do in the red zone in terms of like just consistently scoring down there due to the rushing attack and this Bears defense and their alarming issues inside the 20. I think those two coming to a head, it's just going to be some easy points here for the Patriots when it's all said and done. And I think a lot of this damage will come on the ground. I feel like the bears will hold themselves, you know, their own uh, against this passing attack by and large. Uh, at the end of the day, I think the Patriots are just more skilled, better coached. And the bears have just been, you know, trying to, they've been beating themselves more. And, and I think that's hard to beat two opponents in one time, beat the Patriots and also find ways to not beat yourself. That's like a, a lot of you know tasks for the bears right now, but I don't see the bears having enough firepower to stay on this one. And we all know what the Monday night is. And I mentioned at the top of my show, my one liner about pride and you know, Bill Belichick sees it and like, look, we can beat the bears and I can beat George Hallis and surpass him here. And he's going to be talking that up. His team's going to know it. And for Belichick, who just takes so much pride in the history of the league, uh, I feel like he can see the special meaning in this game, too. So I have the Bears on the wrong side of this one, uh, losing by a touchdown. That makes me sad, makes but sense, it's just bro. where we're at. <laughs> makes sense. All right. Let's get to our confidence meters. Obviously, we're going to be below five because we have them losing. I'm at a four. Where are you at? I'm at 3.5, Will. I don't think this goes like like you. It's it's uh it's a tough opponent, and I think where the Bears are at right now, it's it's they got to figure out a lot of stuff. I don't think that happens on Monday night, as we kind of already broke down here. But 3.5 and four, pretty close. Yeah, they usually aren't too far apart, so I'm not all too surprised that we're kind of you know very much 
on the same point of the confidence meter here this week. Let's get to some fan questions. Uh, they've been coming in pretty consistently throughout the episode. It's not too late. If you have a good Bears question, throw in the chat. Our producer, Stephen Nicholas, who's been doing great work behind the scenes, will start that up, and we will get to your question here. Uh, but let's see. What's the first question? It's from Doug Dyer. Uh, DJ Moore expects to be traded before the deadline. He thinks we should be aggressive for DJ. What about you? I don't think the Bears will be. And obviously the Bears need wide receiver help, but I, I doubt the Bears are even considering going after DJ Moore at this point. I just don't see them wanting to give up whatever draft capital that's going to entail with Ryan Poles' emphasis mm -hmm. on building this team through the draft and being strategic with these draft picks and knowing the Bears are probably going to have a high pick in that coming up this year. I can see, you know, why we would want the talent that DJ Moore is on this offense. We all want the Bears to surround Justin Fields with better talent. I just don't know if this is the right move at the right time to get it done. And we've talked about it too throughout the offseason. Like the wide receiver market is just very difficult. There weren't a lot of guys to actually go acquire through free agency. The Bears weren't wanting to spend a lot of money. You know, it's just a really, uh, you know, a bad situation all the right, all the way around, but I'm not expecting any big move for DJ Moore. but I can understand why fans would want a move like that to happen. Expectations. This is from Timothy uh, for Nikhil Harry. Do you expect him to play? I think we should start there. I do. I do expect him to play. I think Maddie Refluce knows he said yesterday, he knows how exciting this opportunity would be if uh, Harry is able to play against his old team. But I do think we see him, in a limited fashion, like not 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 like DeAndre Hopkins did last night for the Cardinals coming in and getting over 100 yards receiving. No way, but just a small role, maybe obviously those fade opportunities, some a big body in the red zone if the Bears get there. I think that's where you can see Nikhil Harry come into play. I, I yeah, expectations, they just have to be minimal in this Bears passing offense. He can help this team. I just don't think he's like that secret sauce or like the answer to completely unlock the passing attack. You know, a few catches where he's winning some of these one-on-one -on -one matchups, making contested catches, boxing out some of these smaller DBs and just giving Justin Fields a bigger body threat to work with because he doesn't have really any of those outside of Cole Komet right now. And Nick, you mentioned what he can potentially do in the red zone. Great. Now we all said the same thing in training camp and the training camp results were very hit or miss. And we need to be honest about that too. So I'm still keeping my expectations low, let him exceed them, but he is talented. He is, he will provide the bears something different at the receiving position. Uh, but let's just kind of keep uh, those expectations modest and uh, let's let him show us why they should be higher. All right, from Josh, do you guys think we can get a three-touchdown game from Fields? I'm assuming he means this week, not just in general, uh, but I feel like that's a tall order here. I only had him scoring two touchdowns in my game prediction, so I'm going to say no, uh, unfortunately, here for you, Josh, and really for everyone here because we would all want Justin to get a, a three-touchdown game. But what about you, Nick? Can we see it? Have we seen a two-touchdown game from Justin Fields? Passing touchdowns? Was the first game of career. The first uh, game of the season, right, against the 49ers. That would have been a two-touchdown game. To... Yeah. But other than that, how many times he actually thrown two touchdowns? That's the only one. <laughs> so three touchdowns asking for a lot there, Josh. Um, But if you're asking, do we think we get a three-touchdown game from Fields at some point in his career? Yes. This game, I don't think so. But only two-touchdown game was week one against San Francisco 49ers so far. Passing yes. Touchdown. Passing touchdown. Yes. He's had two against the 49ers, 
And then last year, it was the Green Bay loss that he also threw two touchdowns. Oh, right. But outside of that in his career, he has not thrown more two touchdowns or more. So we haven't seen uh, a three yet, even combined, actually, when you look at rushing touchdowns. So I would hope so. I, I just don't think this is the game or the matchup to get it done. Uh, BombC93 asks, do you guys think Eddie Jackson finally breaks his pick six drought in this game? Hmm. Uh, well, again, going back to the Patriots, they'd like to give away the football, right? The, what, six interceptions or six fumbles, whatever it was, might be reversed there. Maybe it's an opportunity. Eddie Jackson's been playing some good football. He's going to take some chances. He's a smart player, though. He's not going to allow any big plays to happen because he wants that pick six. He's going to take his chances when the opportunity is right. Do we think we can? Yeah, I do think so. I, I think the play that we've seen from Eddie Jackson this season shows, like, I think it's sooner rather than later. He's been making these uh, plays on the football, being in the right spot at the right time. The football is finding Eddie Jackson again. Uh, a big part of that True. scheme, a big part of that's coaching, a big part of that is him playing more confidently again, and Jaquan Brisker. Uh, I think there's a lot of reasons why we're seeing better play from Eddie. So I do think there's always going to be a chance now. I think he's at that point again where he's just dangerous. Uh, but we'll see if it actually happens. But yeah, I feel like he's capable of it each and every week now. Jonathan D asks, Mooney, big game? Pats allow a ton of big pass plays. And you're right, they do allow explosive plays. And I mentioned that earlier, and the Bears do push the mall down the field, you know, more so than other offenses. It's weird, right? We can't hit these easier passes underneath and what should be more consistent. But by golly, can we find a big play or two? It feels like every single week. I don't know, Nick, big play for Mooney. Like what even counts as a big game right now? That's like my next question. Well, what he had a 90 yard game, right? Uh, honestly, now I'm blanking on, was that Minnesota or like, I don't know. Uh, they, they all kind of go into one, but it would, he's got to break that hundred mark. He's got to get into the end zone, finish these plays and not have any of these mistakes that he, he brings up himself. Well, like, I ran the wrong route. I was in the wrong spot or I was running someone else's route. So a big game for Mooney is making a big, making an impact and making those explosive plays that we know he's capable of. We just haven't seen all come together this season. Yeah. The 94 yard game came against the giants, uh, only 52 against the the Vikings. I think you think of the Vikings because like the miraculous catch that he had, and you think there'll be more yards behind it. Maybe I feel like, in order for him to have a big game, though, he needs to find the end zone. He needs to put some points up on the board. He's still, you know, without a touchdown yet this season. So even if it was like mm-hmm. 70 yards and a touchdown, unfortunately, I think I would call that a big game for him so far this season. Uh, I do think it's possible. Uh, it, it, they would definitely have to come on some of these splash plays. But like I said, the Patriots, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen in the slot. Torin, woo! will Valus be used as a receiver? The question that I think everyone's just waiting for it to happen. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I wish so. I wish they would start using him more in those lines. A lot of his production just coming off the screen game, you know, those pop passes, nothing really downfield. And in college, he wasn't like a downfield threat, but he was more of a typical receiver making catches, you know, five to 10, 15 yards down the field, then making something happen. Uh, he, he just hasn't gotten there yet. Um, so will he be used? Maybe <laughs> I don't, I don't want to say yes. And then it end up not happening. I'm waiting just like everyone else for this to actually end up being a thing. Yeah. Matty Reflux sounded like he was still 
you know, positive about what Velas can do and knows that he has the speed, the yards after catch ability, things like that. So I think you will see him more integrated into the offense. The Bears, honestly, they need people to be. Mm-hmm. They, they let go of Amir Smith-Marset. They um, elevated Isaiah Coulter, but that's not the answer. You need to see more out of Velas, and maybe he's going to have a little more time to focus on offense because he might not be the punt returner on Monday night. Right. We'll see if, what, that, what that, that ends up looking like. I saw a comment from Rockstar 80 that says he can't be trusted. He can't be trusted to field punts. One million percent agree with you right now, but I think you can trust him on offense to be someone who can be a playmaker. I, I do. I just, for some reason, he just lost all that confidence when it comes to fielding punts. And it came out of nowhere because he was a very good punt returner in college last year, but just not the same so far this year. And I think he should be removed and give him some distance from it, maybe focus on offense. And maybe that could, like you said, Nick, open up more opportunities as a receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, Praven B asks, what are the chances the Patriots just run the ball against the bears all game long? Like they did against the bills last season where Jones only threw four times. Well, if the bears aren't going to stop him on the ground, I don't think they're going to shy away from that approach. I, I think the chances are still like slim, but at the same time, the Bears' run defense has been god-awful. If they're just popping off multiple big chunk plays left and right, maybe, honestly, Jones is just now coming back, potentially coming back here on Monday night. And Nick, wouldn't it be just so embarrassing to have a game like that on Monday night where they're just running up and down this Bears' defense, don't even have to put the ball through the air and just still end up winning this game? That'd be so Bears, right? Let's get embarrassed mm-hmm. on a nationally televised game. How, we've been used to seeing that, though. So I think that wouldn't be crazy, but I don't think that's going to be what ends up happening. The weather really dictated what the Patriots wanted to do in that game, and they they damn well, they did it really well that game. All right, I think we have time for one more question here. Uh, It's from Mubs. Is CHU doing a watch-along on Monday Night Football again? So we did the watch-along for a Thursday nighter. I believe the decision's been made that we're not doing a watch-along for Monday night. Uh, just because we want to focus on the post-game show. And I think there's just a lot more Monday night coverage out there, whether it's the game or Manning cast. And we want to make sure that yeah. – I think we like yeah. Manning cast too. And <laughs> we want to make sure yeah, we get to actually watch, to watch and listen to that. Uh, so we'll, we'll put a lot of our focus on the post-game show. So stick around for that uh, for sure. But, no, the watch-alongs are fun, and I'm sure we'll find ways to do more uh, throughout, well, the CHGO, you know, in the future. I don't. Do we have any other primetime games, or is this it? I think that's it. That yeah. should be it. That better be it. Yeah, we had three coming into this with Green Bay, Thursday night, and then this one. So, And then I see a few other things about uh, – the. there we go, the tailgate. Any news regarding – the tailgate's happening. I don't know what – like, what oh, do yeah. you want me to say? Like, sh- get the tickets, show up. It's a great value between all-you-can-eat, all-you-can-drink food. Oh, wait, all-you-can-eat drinks. Like, come on, Will. All-you-can-eat <laughs> food and all-you-can-drink drinks. You're going to meet all your favorites, you know, CHO people hang out with us. I know Nick and I will be, you know, hanging out for a bit before we head to Soldier Field to cover the game. And uh, I really, really enjoyed the first one that we did. I think it surpassed my expectations by and large, and I'm expecting this one to be the same. It's cool to meet a lot of other Bears fans, people who are fans of the show, and not just like meet us, but like get to meet each other and build this community uh, in a more you know, intimate way than we uh, have been like just virtually here at CHGO. So this is a great way to just make our community a little bit more tight knit. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's the news show up and it's going to be a hell of a time. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't have said it better myself. Will. like it's, it's an awesome opportunity. And again, all the, the just exclusives you get in terms of price and what you get for it, but also like, yeah, the bears have been a tough to watch this season. 
the tailgate's going to be all fun and game. Fun and game, so why not have a good time before going to watch the Bears and maybe being disappointed, but just come have a good time. Like, that's what it's all about. And then real quickly, I, I know, Nick, you got to give it a gap bouncing, but I saw this comment about from all day 3004 about Pettis should be the punt return guy because he has the NCAA record for most punt return touchdowns in a college career. That is a fact, and that's why all offseason when I was writing my player preview articles, I was like, well, this guy has tremendous kick return experience or punt return experience. doesn't matter if it's pro, collegiate. The Bears do have a lot of guys in this roster that can get it done. That's why there's no reason, no excuse. If Bayless is just not cutting it, to just stick with it. It makes no sense. You're right. Pettis is more than capable of it. Uh, I know he wasn't doing a great job himself in terms of like fielding punts and making returns happen earlier this year, but at least he wasn't just coughing them up to the other team and just letting games slip through the cracks. So really good point there <laughs> made by you. Nick, final thoughts, and, we'll, uh, and I'll wrap it up. Yeah, this is a tough game, you guys, and we, let's just see a better product than we saw last Thursday night because that was abysmal in terms of the offensive uh, lack of production it would be nice if the bears can surprise even our expectations we know we don't have them winning this game but hey it would be great to see justin fields do what he did last monday night against pittsburgh steelers in this game against the new england patriots but it's a tough one hopefully uh the bears can go out there and surprise some people that's really it right like go out there and just turn some heads break some tendencies and just stop the skid. Like I, I would love to be mm -hmm. wrong here. And, you know, I'm just trying to, I know in years past, you know, I would lean bears more than not, but like we're all doing record predictions now, like the entire CSU bear staff. And I don't want to be the guy that matches the bears record verbatim. I just don't want to be that guy, <laughs> but I hope they win. Uh, I hope they can find ways to put some of these issues behind them, the run defense, the red zone defense, find a way to be, just be respectable in your passing game, which could help open up the run defense. Like there are ways the bears can win this game. Uh, I just feel like there's just a lot against them right now. And mm -hmm. prime time is one of those extra obstacles for the bears to kind of overcome. It's been a bugaboo, a thorn in their sign for years too. So there's just a lot here with it, but uh, that's going to do it here for today's episode. Nick, great stuff all the way around. I love doing this preview show with you each and every week. And I know everyone in the chat loves it. All of our listeners after the fact watchers after too. if you're watching on YouTube, whether it's live or if you're watching a replay and you haven't yet, please, please, please hit that like button, help us out. And of course, subscribe to our channel. We're almost to 21,000 subscribers here on the channel. Love to see that number go up too, but uh, hit the like button. Leave a review on Apple Podcast if you can. Let them know how much you love Nick and I's preview shows. I think that would mean a lot to all of us. Uh, but that's going to do it here for this week. We will see you on Monday. Uh, Monday, Monday, Monday. Bears game, Bears, Patriots. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy a Sunday of football that the Bears don't have to ruin mm -hmm. for you for the second straight week. And uh, well, until Monday, bear down, Chicago. <laughs>